Hey, everyone. We want to welcome you to the Hustle Faithfully podcast, where determination meets devotion. Join us across all streaming platforms at L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Hustle Faithfully podcast. As we continue the series that we have been in now, this makes week number six, we have the esteemed Mr. Greg Reed on with us today. And then, Greg, the, and then the crowds go wild. By the yeah. way, whatever <laughs> that URL you just gave out was sounded like some type of Morse code or something. <laughs> well, for our viewers, that link is at the bottom of the page. For the listeners, we'll, we'll find some way to make sure you get it as well. There you go. Well, hey, the bottom line is at least you're getting it out there. It's so funny. When we started doing our live events, uh, as you've been to part of the Secret Knock community, it was secretknock.co. We left the M off so people couldn't find us. But it was also a good excuse to keep saying the name over and over because I kept saying the secretknock.co, not M, .co, not M. And what happened is it subconsciously started implanting that domain name. And now we're found globally. Go figure. Wow. Love it. Wow. Love it. Secret Knock is an amazing event. For those of you that have not yet been to it, make sure you get to it. It is by invite only. Mm. So just everybody doesn't get to come in. But I'm here to tell you as an attendee, once you are inside the doors, your possibilities for networking, business growth, and just all the people that you will meet is simply second to none. It's an amazing, amazing event. All right. So let's, let's, let's jump right into it. Let's do it. So we are speaking about from burnout to breakthrough. Tell us a story in your life where you have felt the perceived notion of burnout and you work through it. You push through it in order to receive the breakthrough that you are living in and experiencing daily. All right. I, this was not planned, but I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you. So there's nothing worse than media of having dead air, but it's going to take 18 <laughs> Eight seconds. Go, 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 go. You do, you do something called a query letter. Basically, it's a little note that says who you are, what's your message, why are you an expert, and who's going to read your book. Wow. Well, when I did my first book, mind you, I'm dyslexic, can't spell, can't read, can't write, so it wasn't very good. I sent out these query letters, and I was turned down 268 times in a row for my first book. And the 269th publisher said, we'll give you a shot. All we want you to do is change the title, the beginning, the middle, and the end. It was horrible. <laughs> it oh. was, like again, a dyslexic dog boat beaver car. It made no sense. So wow. what happens, I got a ghostwriter. They recrafted it and went on to inspire millions upon millions of people around the globe. In fact, one quote was shared 37 million times. And as you saw, Ice T on his podcast did a whole segment just on me yesterday wow. and it says a dream written down with a date becomes a goal a goal broken into steps becomes a plan a plan backed by action makes your dreams come true so i've had people share this all around the world from a book that was turned down 268 times now why do i tell you that boom i kept all the letters look at that <laughs> these are all the people that told me why I would never make it, I should quit, and it would never work out for me. So I felt that feeling of burnout, trust me. But wow. I use it as momentum to kick it into high gear. And by doing so, here we are today. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. I can say from experience that your books do change lives. I never identified as one that was a reader. 
ever in my life. And I got the book from you specifically at Secret Knock called Three Feet from Gold. Oh, yeah. I had that book completed in three days. And with the size of that book, that's record for me. I could not put it down. I was able to live vicariously through the characters in the book. And I was able to put myself into the book as though I was living it out. And that has literally, that book really has changed my life. And this is not a, a kiss your rear end because you wrote the book and you're here with me. It, it's it's very, very true. Yeah, so, let's, be, let's be very clear. I didn't write the book anyway, so you're not going <laughs> to hurt my feelings anyway. My, my writers and Sharon Lecter, who is a gifted storyteller, they wrote the book. It was my stories that I instilled and then they recrafted them in a way that people would go on to want to read in, in, in a book form. Right. Again, Sharon Lecter, she wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Kiyosaki, did all this great. Those are the geniuses behind it. But let's talk about that message because that's a good one for the topic of your thing. So mm -hmm. Three Things from Gold was taken from the very first chapter of the Bible of Personal Development called Think and Grow Rich. And it's a story about a gold miner named R.U. Darby who knew nothing about gold. Went out west, started digging, found a couple nuggets, got excited, and he hid it. He went home and told his family and friends. They chipped in money to buy equipment so they could pull it out by the ore cart. And sure enough, the first cart was filled with gold. They're rich. But then the gold ran out. They kept digging, but there's no more gold. Defeated, Darby walks out of the mine and says, I quit. I'm done. I'm not a gold miner. And he sees a junk man walking by. He says, hey, buddy, give me 200 bucks. I'll sell you the mine, the deed, the equipment. I'm going to go back doing something I know what to do back home. The junk man surveying the equipment was worth 10 grand because the family chipped in and said, here's 200 bucks real quick and bought all that equipment plus the gold mine. Well, Darby goes home defeated, but the junk man goes to an engineer and says, you know, what happened? This guy hit gold and ran out. And the engineer started laughing. He said, it's mining 101. He says, everyone knows that gold runs in a straight line. That's called a gold vein. What Darby did is he came on one side hit the gold and pop back into dirt. He says, go back to where they discovered treasure, go three feet, 90 degrees the opposite way, you'll tap back into the vein. And not only did the junk man pull millions upon millions upon millions of dollars out, but that still fills Fort Knox today. And the moral is how many times have we or someone we know quit one class short from a degree or sales or marketing? It's easy to quit, but it's the people that persevere and go that extra three feet they're the ones that we tell the stories about today. Wow. So how does that incorporate into something like Secret Knot? Give us the evolution of Secret Knot from the very beginning up until Secret Knot that we just had in March of this year. Yeah, I don't have a rags or riches story on this one. What happened back in the day when I was writing these successful books, especially Three Feet from Gold, I invited over 300 people to go with me to meet all the people I did, from the founder of Chick-fil-A to the guy who started NASCAR to Miss America to Mrs. Fields Cookie. No one wanted to go. No one ever showed up. Everyone had a bad case of the one size. Well, I'll go once I get the kids out of the house, once I get the big break, once I get time off. No one showed up. And after it became a global phenomenon in 35, 40 languages around the world, people kept coming up saying, how do I meet your friends? Oh, and so I started an event in my living room with just 12 people. And mm -hmm. they said, do I need a ticket? And I go, no, nah, just knock on doors. You'll know when you get here. Bump and a bump bump as a joke. Well, people left. They told their friends and it kept growing and growing and growing. And now we're Forbes Magazine, Inc., Entrepreneur Success, top event in the world for entrepreneurs, just simply by performing and delivering amazing folks.
And that is, as I said before, that's an amazing event that if you have not been to, make sure to get to. For the viewers, we have a QR code in the upper corner that you can scan. It will take you directly to Greg Reed's website where you can learn more about him, learn more about Secret Knock, and get involved. Did you ever have a a perceived burnout period with Secret Knock at the rate it was growing, that you wanted it to grow faster, slower, different? Or how did any of that look to you? No, I, like I said, I don't have really a rags to riches story on that one. It's just a, we kept it going exactly the way we wanted to go. But I will teach everyone that always talks about how do you get your value, how you raise your prices. And this is really funny because it's so simple, it's going to hurt your head. When we did our event, there's a TV show back in the old days called Seinfeld. It was like the number one show on television. And one episode was called George Costanza Opposite Day, where George was opposite of everyone. And I realized like, when I was looking at the event industry, everyone has these flyers and these little bubbles with pictures of people's heads and who's going to be there. And I went, well, what's the opposite of that? I said, well, I'll do an event where I'll charge a boatload of money, but I won't tell you who will be there or even where it's at. <laughs> That's how it started. So when you come to our events, it costs five grand for a ticket, but I won't tell you where it is, who will be, nothing. And then once you get a ticket, I'll tell you the city, state, and date, and that's it. And then once it gets close, I'll drip the secret address to the people as we get close. But by doing that, I've been able to have a private Skype with Edward Snowden while he's hiding in Russia. I've had President Vicente Fox come in and tell him how, how George Bush tried to trick him to go to war. We had Carol Baskin from the Tiger King and the people I got coming in this coming next year will blow your mind. And the whole idea is that instead of coaches, teachers, and mentors, we bring in the actual person who's accomplished what everyone else can imagine. But back to the price. Here's how it started. Our first one we charged, I think it was $300, 333, that's my number. And then everyone, it, kept sold, it sold out instantly. And so I raised the price a little bit. And then I said, how do I come up with the price? And someone said, keep raising it until someone says no. And so I kept raising it, raising it, raising it until I got to $3,000. And someone said, holy smokes, that's a lot of money. I went, that's my price. And so for eight years, the price was three grand. And now with inflation, I had to raise it to five. It's interesting. That is how we came to it. Most people don't understand that. They say, I've got too much customers. I got too much stuff. I'm babysitting all these people. And we said, well, what's the opposite of that? We said, how about we keep raising the price? So we attract the people that we want in our society. And we did over seven figures in industry business last year without one chargeback. Wow. That's incredible. So you just keep pushing and raising. However, one thing that I do know to be true is you in, you continually increase the value that you bring to everybody inside the community, inside the group. Well, that's the idea. Yeah, with the extra revenue, we get to bring in bigger names. We get to bring in more entertainment. We get to bring in more can concerts. We get to bring in more stuff. Yeah, it just doesn't go to my pocket. So that's the idea that we're a community-based society. And the whole idea is instead, there's no business cards allowed. There's no name tags. Everyone's treated the same. So you do not know who you're sitting to, next to until I say, coming to the stage is the founder of E! Entertainment who created the Kardashians to entertainment. Tonight. Come on up. And he was sitting right next to you. Uh, over there at the uh, taco bar, that's Brian Smith, founder of Ugg Boots, a multi-billion dollar brand. Oh, that guy over there, he created Pictionary. The whole idea is that we're all one. Yeah. And as you know, you know, Dean Park is the person that initially invited me to your event. 
he gave me a little bit of a heads up sitting there, just exactly what you just said. He said, Jonathan, you are going to have no idea who you're sitting next to. You might be sitting next to somebody that's struggling in life, and you might be sitting next to a billionaire. You never know. And the thing is, like you said, everybody is treated the same way. You do not know. People don't come in there with a higher, mightier than thou type persona and talk down to you because they're at a more elevated level than you. It's just absolutely incredible. The people that you enough about the main event. So let's talk about, let's talk about these overcoming stuff because this is the topic that I love the most. When this popped up on my calendar, I got so excited, not just because it's you, but this is one of my favorite topics. So three feet from gold, just as an example, we went around and interviewed all these people to find out how they overcame their, their toughest times. And the first cat I ever interviewed was a guy named Dave Lineker. Now you don't know him, but you'll know his business. I said, was it hard getting started in business back in 1970 in real estate? He goes, brutal. He goes, all my investment money ran out. Interest rates was 24%. I didn't know what to do. I said, how'd you handle it? He said, well, for two years, every phone call that came in was from a bill collector. <laughs> it goes when the phone would ring, I'd run across the hall, pick it up. So my poor receptionist wasn't put in the middle. The third year they threw me in jail, called me a fraud and a liar. I said, well, what'd you do? He says, well, I changed my attitude from trying to prove everyone wrong to, to just prove myself right. He goes, I knew I wasn't what they were making me out to be. And he says, I had the courage to pick up the phone. I called every bill collector. I said, I'll be honest, all the money's gone. I don't got 50 grand but I got 50 bucks. Let me send it to you with a promise. I won't quit. Don't give up on me. He says, I won't give up on my dream. He says, I called every bill collector every month until the fourth year. Someone bought the first franchise called Remax real estate. Mm. He goes, I am nothing, but how many people's lives were changed? Cause I didn't quit. And how do we know someone watching this podcast isn't about to give up on their own dream? Cause Visa was calling them this morning. That's right. And that is a whole inspiration to this series is for that listener, for that viewer that feels down on their luck, that feels like they have hit their burnout. Just keep going. As you know, at the time of recording this, this is a relatively new podcast. Somebody that we interviewed last week, they, they mentioned, they said, just keep going. They said, we have done over 800 podcasts of our own so far. And it's not a big, huge podcast. He said, but you never know, Jonathan, you never know, Ricardo, when you're going to get your break, per se, right. and who's listening and who you're going to inspire and whose life you're going to change. You never know. All it takes is just that one person, that one person that's listening to your podcast, that one person that's next to you at an event. You never know who you're dealing with. You never know who you're talking to. Yeah. And, so, and, and staying back on this topic, because I really want to give you guys some gold here, gems while we got you here is one of my favorite people that, uh, I don't know, looked at the greatest opportunities, a guy named uh, Truett Cathy. And if you ever mm -hmm. ate Chick-fil-A restaurants, it's it's absolutely incredible. They created that chicken sandwich. By the way, the first chicken sandwich I ever had when I was interviewing him, I went to his headquarters, and he goes, do you like my, my sandwiches? And I go, I've never had one. He goes, let's change that. He walked me downstairs to the kitchen of the big giant thing, and everyone like stood in attention, all the cooks down there or whatever, because it was like a big giant thing. And he actually made me my first chicken sandwich I ever had Chick-fil-A. But wow. here's what here's what he said. He goes, the secret of success is to look for and capitalize on unexpected opportunity. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean? He says, if I'm on my sofa and I want to get to the end of the street, that's my goal. He goes, I got to keep my eye on the vision, but I have to adapt and adjust and look for unexpected opportunity. I said, like what? Wow. He goes, well, a planner. 
they're going to over plan. They're going to plan every step or they're going to pause and take a break. If a sprinkler comes on and it freaks them out, it goes against plan. They run back home. He goes, not me. He goes, I look for a skateboard or a bicycle that a kid might've left out. I borrow it to make my journey short. If I get real lucky, I'll wave down a neighbor driving by and hitch a ride. He goes, either way, I'll get to my goal. I'm just not so caught up in exactly how it has to transpire. Mm. And I realize that that is the secret for most of these people. But the greatest aha I ever had, probably of my interviews of just so simplicity of this came from him as well. Now, he has this, when I say a compound, it's a 75-acre gigantic compound of Chick-fil-A. And on the top floor of one of his buildings was his office. It was an entire glass thing and case was incredible. Uh, it was like sitting in, I, I've never seen anything quite like it, but there was a poster like duct tape to the wall. And it made no sense. I was like going, you have all this grandiose stuff and car museums will go, yeah, hello kitty poster. What the hell is this about? And wow. it was a mountain climber. And it was just like a guy. And I go, why? And he goes, this is how I run my life. This is how I run my business. I go, true, and I got to know. He says, well, see, most people, entrepreneurs are like mountain climbers. They see the top of the peak and they're full of energy and passion and drive. And they got all the gear and they start running up that mountain. He goes, but as soon as they have a little slip and a fall, he goes, what do you think happens? He goes, they fall to the bottom and they quit. That's why 95% of businesses don't. He goes, but I'm like that mountain climber. And I go, what's different about him? He says, well, he understands the power of a Caribbean. And I go, or a carabiner, that's what it's called. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I climb up, I think 20 feet and I tie myself off with this little metal latch. It's called a carabiner. And I put the rope in there. And then I go up another 20 feet and I tie myself off. He goes, so eventually when I make a mistake, I'm a human. I only go down 20 feet. I don't go all the way to the bottom. And he goes, most people as entrepreneurs, they're always going all in. They risk everything. He goes, so if you want to be successful, make sure as you go up a little bit, you tie yourself off. So when you do have that slip, it doesn't lead to your demise. Wow. Wow. Uh, Dr. Reed, uh, what you've just said is so, so very impactful. And for those that don't know what it means to tie yourself off, is that through uh, partnerships that you have where you have people that anchor you and ground you in these places that that you that you enter into from one space 20 feet below to the next rung is that a partnership that you have that anchor you or is it a principle that they anchor themselves to it could be all the above it's what it is to you it could also be putting a little bit of money away right mm -hmm. it could be you have a little bit of a windfall big a sell streak and then everyone invests all their money back into the business. And if it has a hiccup, then you're done. Or some people go up a little bit and they have that windfall and they make sure they put some away for a rainy day or, you know, invest that dough. And then when they have the slip, they got something to go to. Everyone's got a different perception of it. So for myself, yeah, I think relationships are the biggest part. Remember this. There's an old book. It says what got us here won't get us there. And this is what it comes down to. As for myself and my business, I've grown it to a really nice, solid business. It's very profitable. It's great. It's the whole bit. For me to go to that next step where I want to go, well, I can't do it with the same mentality and the same group I'm with. So I'm constantly looking at saying, well, how can I up my game while loving my people that are still with me and giving them a different role while I progress. And that's the mentality that I, I, I possess for myself. But I realize, look, to get you to the next step, you need someone new. Wow. Wow. Incredible. 
What's another story that you have personally or that you talked with one of these amazing people that you have interviewed in your lifetime that was an extreme burnout to breakthrough type situation? Yeah, I know it's a little interesting. However, a lot of my people that I deal with, they, they didn't have the burnout. What they did is they had, they latched on to something like a bulldog and they wouldn't let go, but they just adapted and adjusted. We get frustrated. We get, you know, down on ourselves sometimes. However, what we do is we always reach up. Here's the secret. Surround yourself with people you have respect for, not people you have influence over. Mm-hmm. And that is a tip that gets you to that next step. So for example, I believe in mentorship and I believe in coaching. And for myself, it means we should have multiple people in this arena. I got a great tennis coach that leads teaching me my backhand, but I'm not going to ask financial counsel. And I'm not going to go over here to someone who does public speaking, ask about writing books. I make sure I find the people that are getting the results that I want in my chosen field of endeavor. And I surround myself with them today. As soon as we're done with this, I'm flying in someone from Texas to teach me all about CRMs because I want to take my level to a new dimension. And so what I'm doing is surround myself with the very best people that are experts in their chosen field so I can get the results I want for myself. Look, when I want to be a best-selling author, I didn't go to Barnes and Noble and buy every book. I went to the best-selling section. I want to be a bestseller, not a best-written book section. And I asked those people how they did it. They taught me. I duplicated it. Here we go. Wow. That's good. Well, everything you're saying right now is something that's that every one of us can do, not just someone like yourself that's learned this over the course of years that has made all the sacrifices that have had these resources. When I say resource, not just not just resources as far as finance, but resources as far as relationships and those people that you've been able to draw from and then not misappropriating a relationship. Because like you said, I can have someone who's proficient at tennis, but not someone who I seek financial advice from. So being able to know who it is and what it is that you need and then to place that person in the right place in your life and then knowing where to invest time, because I know you've learned over the years how important every single moment that you have where you can't spend it or waste it. You must invest it, but do so intentionally. So how has being being a good steward over your time uh, been important to you because you have so many things going on, but your time matters to you so much and it's led to you being able to do what you've done? Well, it goes back to this old thing I've been saying for the last 15 years, I feel like people are probably burned out on listening to the story, but I'll share it again. <laughs> Successful people seek counsel and failures listen to opinion. One of my best I'll quotes. say it again. Successful people seek counsel, failures listen to opinion. Hmm. Opinions based on ignorance, lack of knowledge, or inexperience, like all your family, friends who've never done what you want to do. Counsel is based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. If you're at the family barbecue and you're talking about starting this new podcast, you're aunts and uncles and friends are probably going to talk you out of it to protect you, to keep you safe. They're not trying to hurt you. They're protecting you. But more importantly, they've never done it. If you go over to someone who has got an extremely successful podcast, like Prager University or something and say, hey, how do you do this? They're going to sit you down and say, hey, here's the steps you want to follow and give you counsel based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. If we would spend our activity only seeking counsel in our lives, like tennis or taxes or CRMs and ignoring people's opinion, that's the day and that's the moment our lives would change. Wow. 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 
So to wrap up and to sum up what you've said here is you look for counsel, not opinions. You find those who have what you want. You have that have a proven track record of success in what you're looking for and you align with them. No matter what that endeavor is, there is somebody that has the success and they will pour into you one way or another. Somebody will pour into you and you just keep moving until you find the people that do. And then you, and then you honor your mentors. Like you guys were just touching on earlier. I'll give you an example. When I went to be a public speaker, I went to someone who I admired is a motivational legend. His name's Les Brown. And he's got this quote says, you got to be hungry. So I hunted him down and said, Mr. Brown, I go, can I have one bit of counsel? Just one tip I could do to improve my speaking business. He gave it to me. I found him a month later, said, Mr. Brown, I met you a month ago. I asked for one nugget. You gave it to me. Here's my results. What should I do next, sir? Well, first of all, by the time he's done passing out on the floor, because no one's ever done that before, you honored your mentor by actually taking action. Well, what's the chance of him giving me the second nugget? One billion percent. And so now Les calls me for counsel. I call him and helps him be a relationship. So the greatest way to build relationships is to honor them. Man, that's good. Wow. That's good. Honor those who pour into you. It's not a take-take situation. It truly is a give-take. Because no matter what level somebody they can learn from you too. Right. And you're always, and I know we're getting a little feedback here, you're always learning. And if you have that student's mindset, amazing things will come your way. I was doing an interview uh, with somebody. The first thing I tell you what Les Brown taught me, because that's such a great one. He said, microphone. When you have a microphone, he goes, you can tell a rookie speaker from everyone else. I go, how? He goes, they hold it at the end, like these rappers, and they cover their face and you can't see them. He goes, they're cutting it off. He goes, look at every photograph thing. He goes, I hold it at the very end. He goes, then I hold it out here. So when I'm having a conversation with you, I'm still connecting. You can still hear me. I'm using it as a device, but not as a block. Simple little thing, right? But it was it was it was magical along the, those lines, and I know I was just going to tell you a story, but I already forgot. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Reed, um, what is the thing that over all these years um, that you've had these interactions, these different experiences, things that you've learned, things that you've seen? What have you found out at this point in your life that's the most important thing to you? The thing that you value the most above all else that these things that you've done has kind of led you to this place of understanding this is the thing that matters most and why I continue to do what I do. Yeah, for me, it's just my kid. You know, everyone has got the same cliche. That's it. That's the truth. You know, at the end of the day, I want to leave a cool memory for my kid to pass it on. And I don't believe in legacy. I think it's a bunch of hoopla. I do believe that, you know, my kid is my legacy. That's it. That's all I got. I don't have his kids won't know who I was and his kids, kids for sure won't know who I was. So I, this is my legacy right now. And so what I want to do is pass that on. And a lot of people sit there and go, oh, legacy is the most important. I go, that's such bullshit. I go, at the end of the day, you know, do you know your father's first name? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know your, do you know your grandfather's first name? Yes. Yes. Do you know your great grandfather's name? No. And this is where everyone loses. So in two generations, your own blood, we don't even know them. That's going to happen to us as well. And so the whole idea is that our legacy is here and now. 
So I feed into my kid now knowing that I'm passing the baton and I don't care who gets the credit. He'll pass it on to his kids. Very nice. Yeah. It's reciprocal. Very cool. All right. I got to get going. Any last question? No last questions here. You have any? No, honestly, everything that you've shared has been something that's, that's been so good for us to take and just soak in you know the things that you've shared for us we've got notes that we've written down so you've given us enough we know you have things you got to do we want to value your time so thank you for sharing this time with us and giving us what you've given us because it helps us and also those that are here this after this yeah absolutely again it's part of that pass and i'll leave with this last little story one of my favorite people i ever talked to is a poet and a philosopher his name was Evander Holyfield. He's a boxing legend. And I said, how did you win so many heavyweight championships? And he said, I embraced, more importantly than anything else, a higher standard. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, in sports, I showed up early. I left late. I invented exercises. I had a higher standard, and I just won more championships. He goes, where could you be in your own business, your own chosen field, if you raised your standard? I said, but didn't it hurt being in a fight? He says, yeah, it hurts, but when you're in a fight, you don't focus on the pain. You don't focus on the blows. As soon as you do, you end up on your back knocked out. But that's what people do outside the ring. They focus on gas prices, war, economy, and then they wonder why they never become a champion. Wow. And he pulled me in tight. He's an Adonis of a man missing half an ear, bitten off by Tyson. He says, you know what the funny thing is? He says, when you do win the championship, he says, everyone comes to their feet and they chant your name. They raise your hand in victory, and the guy puts a big shiny belt around your waist. He said, at that moment and at that second, you don't feel even one of the punches you took along the journey. Mm -hmm. But the guy in the losing locker room will have every bruise, every excuse for the rest of their life, wishing they had a higher standard. Wow. 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 Thank you for That's that. That's deep. That's good. Thank you so much <laughs> for your time with us, Greg. It is greatly appreciated, and we will see you again soon. For everybody that is watching, scan the QR code in the upper corner to learn more about Greg Reed himself. And for all of our listeners, go to www.gregreed.com. Everybody remain blessed and unstoppable. Thank you, Dr. Reed. Thank you.